0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. Another day, another dollar. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're thriving through these tumultuous times. Actually, we're coming out of it. You know, we're getting out of the gook. We're starting to get back to life. I'm looking forward to it personally. I just want to be able to run around with my tits out like I did before without anyone screaming at me. I don't know if that was ever a thing, but I'm going to try and turn it into a thing. Thank you guys so much for tuning in every week. Check out the YouTube page. If you listen every week, you know it. Go to youtube.com forward slash Jessie Maypeluso. Subscribe, like, share. More videos go up every week. If you want to watch the podcast, that's where you watch it. And also, don't forget to hit your girl up on Cameo. I'm on Book Cameo, which is a video app. I can make custom videos for you, your loved ones, your not-so-well-revered ones. Get creative. Book your girl on Book Cameo. And just in general, I want to thank you guys for your support with this podcast. I will be having an announcement coming soon with a collaboration with my girl Carly Aquilino that I am very excited about We have been hush-hush about through quarantine, but we are very close to releasing the big news. I've leaked it a couple times on accident, on purpose, but that's neither here nor there. So look out for that soon. And welcome to this week's episode. This week's guest is someone who I have been a fan of for years. I have loved his music. He's gotten me through breakups. I've enjoyed his music through relationships and beyond. This week's guest is Clarence Greenwood, a.k.a. Citizen Cope. He's an American songwriter, producer, and performer, and his music is commonly described as a mix of blues, soul, folk, and rock. His compositions have been recorded by Carlos Santana and Dido. Remember Dido, y'all? Damn, what is this? Throwback Thursday? He is just an amazing musician. I've seen him live a few times, and he just recently recorded an album which I listened to, and it's fantastic. And I kind of nerd out on today's episode just because I am an actual fan. We have met a few times, so I feel very fortunate that I'm able to even have him on the podcast. He's a little bit of an elusive creature, but you must listen to Citizen Cope, his 2002 album, The Clarence Greenwood Recordings, Every Waking Moment, The Rainwater LP, and Heroin and Helicopters from 2019, which is, I think, a title he got from I feel like is it Richard who's the guy who should be dead by now from Rolling Stones Keith Richards I feel like one of those legendary rockers gave him inspiration for the title of that album but he also has a new album out called the pull of Niagara Falls he is here today to talk with us and I really really hope you enjoy today's episode with one of my favorite musicians Mr. Clarence Greenwood Comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host, sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode, sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're gonna get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. I'm muted. I'm so excited I was muted. <laughs> Hey everybody, you've already heard the intro He needs no intro, he's one of my favorite musicians And uh, he's been kind enough to let me come out and see him perform live a couple times And I highly suggest it Everybody welcome, you know him as Citizen Cope Clarence Greenwood, what's up brother?
1: Hey
0: How you doing? You on. look fantastic
1: Oh, you do too, thank we're
0: you We're both in our Johnny Cash black I like yeah, that we're rocking this right now
1: the only, only way to go
0: it's the only way to go. Truly, you know. Uh, one of my friends told me I dress like a ninja, and I said, "Well, you know what? I'm going to sneak up on you, do my thing, and then leave." You know, as an artist, you just a little drop in the bucket, do your performance, and head on out.
1: It's like the Lone Ranger.
0: It is like the Lone Ranger. I have so many questions for you. I, I was studying some stuff last night, and also because I've been such a big fan of yours for so many years, um, I guess. One of the first things I want to ask you, which may be a cliche question, but to me, it's a narrative of your life a little bit. What why music? What drew you to music? Because that's not a life that I chose. You know, I chose comedy, which is totally different. But you chose music. What, what drew you to that?
1: I think it was just uh, kind of something to be able to express myself and then i wasn't necessarily good in school and i didn't you know test take well and those kind of things so it wasn't going to be easy for me to take a kind of a line to be a professional and then i just started writing poetry and then really enjoyed like the idea of production i was passionate about listening to records and then like wanted to see how you could do it and and it was just one step but i didn't It it wasn't ever a thing like oh this is what I want to do until uh, you know a little bit later.
0: Isn't it interesting? You know, people sometimes when they get into careers like medical careers, you know, they know they want a doctor, they know they want to be a lawyer. I feel like those more straight and narrow careers people kind of choose, but when you're an artist, it finds you. It's something that sort of evolves uh, as a child, like who were some of your biggest inspirations because your music to me and music obviously is so personal and your interpretation of it as a listener is really dependent upon where you were at in your life. But who were your inspirations, you know, cause your music to me is so eclectic it's and it's, it's so unique to you when I try and explain your style to somebody I start off and I say a singer-songwriter, but there's so much more there. There's so much depth to your music. So I'm interested to know who inspired you when you were younger.
1: I think um, I was lucky enough to have a lot of different music around me. So I and, and I traveled to different places in the United States, so I was able to hear stuff. And I think that... Um, I guess I think my one of the first records I remember was the Jackson Five, and then um, <laughs> moved on to, to to kind of what my sister was playing—the pop stuff—and then the classics that that um, my parents had and stuff like that. And and you would have you know from Otis Redding to Neil Young to Fleetwood Mac and all that kind of stuff. Um, listening to you know Jimi Hendrix and and the Beatles and and the went through that stage of like the classic rock stage. And then uh, when hip hop came along and, and I was in DC, so go-go was a huge influence on me. Like it's a kind of a a go-go music is a DC kind of um, classical music that they play in DC. So I was heavily influenced by those guys. And, and then when hip hop came and then the songwriting of John Lennon, and and uh, I enjoyed Randy Newman's stuff. And, you know, obviously, like, Marvin Gaye was huge influence.
0: Oh, Marvin Gaye is so – Marvin Gaye, man, that's the one thing, like, I appreciate having been uh, exposed to such good music as well. You know, you and I, I feel, are similar uh, in our age groups, and I've heard and have read – You know your opinion on today's music and I share that opinion you know today's music I feel is devoid of soul and that's the one thing that's your music is just filled with it it's absolutely filled with soul and it's evident when you go to one of your live shows it's such a homogenous crowd like you have the best fans everyone is so chill you go to your shows you don't have to worry about somebody throwing a fucking beer bottle across the room which is nice. nice
1: Right, right, right,
0: right. I don't know if that's ever happened to you on stage, but your music is just, it, it attracts a really dope fan base. I wonder, has anything crazy ever happened to you when you were on stage where you were like, what the fuck, what, who, who brought this dude to this show?
1: Well, yeah, there's there's a couple of those instances <laughs> and you try to be protective because like, you know, you know, in the past, you know, there's been a lot of, you uh, women and stuff. So, so it's, it, it comes to a thing of, of now people are coupled up and, but so everyone's even more, more, uh, (laughs) you know, chill, but, but I, there's been a, there was a girl fight one time and then,
0: yeah, there was, there was like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I
1: think it was during sideways. And it's like, I hate, I hate watching girls. I don't like anyone fighting, but two girls fighting, it's just like that, that fucking hurts my heart, you know. And then,
0: well, like- it's just the way <laughs> girls fight is it, it's like watching creatures, it's, it's not like watching humans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's vicious,
0: it's so vicious because they go for the hair, they go for the things that girls spend the most oh. money on. They're ripping lashes, they're ripping hairs, things are flying off of them. That's funny, yeah. you know. And I, I was thinking about, you were on stage when this happened, but I know you know this story. When I saw you at um, where was it in uh, Huntington Beach? I think you were at that really like like that really intimate dope venue. I can't think. No, Do you remember no. that? When yep. I
1: yep yep. <laughs> yep.
0: Do you know what I'm with the couple story couple I'm talking about?
1: There. What's the name of that? Uh the Saint? Is it the, the Saint, Saint Saints? What's Saint it, What's oh. that place in Hermosa Beach?
0: Yeah, Hermosa Beach. St.
1: Rock. Saint Rock.
0: St. Rock, yes. Thank you. Um, is that Taylor in the background? Thank you so much. Appreciate you. I oh, I went there, and I was excited because the guy I was dating at the time was also such a huge fan, and I turned to him. I'm sure you know this story because we've talked about it, to sh- share my excitement, and I had taken a sip of my beer, and then I choked on my beer because I was hyperventilating and turned and end up spitting all of my beer on brew.
1: <laughs> on oh, brew?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I soaked brew.
1: <laughs> oh, my I God. I literally,
0: and this is pre-COVID, so guys, don't worry. Don't panic. But I literally <laughs> doused him in his face with my beer spit, and I just stood there because he was going to get on stage. You guys were, like, starting, and I, I just was so mortified. I'm like, I'm yeah. a huge fan.
1: you told me about this. <laughs> That was you, destiny.
0: That was me. He's like, you're a huge fan. I hate to see what you do to people who you don't like. Oh, I was so embarrassed. Oh my God. Um, well, you know, it's so interesting as a comedian, uh, you know, a fellow artist. And I've spoken to so many different types of artists on my podcast. I'm a firm believer that a lot of us, Artists, comedians, musicians, painters—a lot of our um, inspiration comes from pain and trauma, and our communication with the world through those things. I wonder, like, what were some of the hardships you endured as a child, and if that's something you're willing to discuss? Because I, I, I don't know much about that sort of path that maybe you were on. If that's something that has inspired your art and your music.
1: I think I was definitely inspired by just uh, I mean, I think that there was there was obviously like as an artist, you have tendencies to be more empathetic in situations and and those kind of things. And like, you know, I think all of us have our own personal struggles and our own own on, you know, cultural struggles. But I don't I didn't really have any cultural struggle except for the different parts of the country I was living in.
0: Um, yeah, you definitely grew up in some. You were in some tough places. You're from a tough place.
1: W- well, I I, 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 yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was raised in in D.C. at a, at a time it was kind of crazy. I, my, my, where I lived in D.C. wasn't necess- like I lived in a in an area where there wasn't like a lot of violence going down. I don't, I, you know, I don't like to call it a good neighborhood because I think that like. I don't think it's a bad neighborhood if 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 things bad are happening there but I think there was just it it, it gave me a chance to see what was really going on with the education and the history of Washington DC and like kind of an insight to why that had happened and um it and answered some really interesting questions because um being born down south and also kind of seeing Washington DC where it was uh you know whereas you know it was institutionally racist as far as the policy for the actual city of washington dc with education and with with real estate and so yeah i think it just gave me insight to what you know kind of the institutional racism that the actual city of dc had to endure as far as like with with that the federal government you know, paying, paying the bills for the education and for, you know, having obviously real estate kind of laws that that didn't allow people to, you know, maintain their houses and keep their houses or even buy houses in certain neighborhoods. So it gave me kind of an insight to that by going to public school in DC and seeing how bad it was. And also being in, in, in kind of the deep South, also seeing more of an overt, kind of operation in that and seeing the nuances of what you know what that was so so like obviously my father's side of the family was from Texas and my mother's side of the family was from Tennessee so uh, they split up early and I moved to D.C.
0: It's interesting with your music, I also come from a broken home. My mom moved the neighbor's dad in when I was nine, so that was fun. I was like, when's Steve leaving? He just stayed forever. He's still there. My mom's dead, and he's still in the house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Steve,
1: Steve. <you> showed up. <laughs> the next day neighbor showed
0: up. One of my favorite aspects of your music, and I hate to say persona because you're not a person who is a persona but for lack of a better term, your aura is your mysterious. And not that it is a conscious decision, but your music is biographical more. In my opinion, you know, you, you're telling stories and, you know, as someone who's also a fan of like Bob Dylan and Neil Young, who are also storytellers, I wonder and this is a personal question, how much of yourself exists within these stories? Or is it a result of what you've witnessed? Because there is a, you know, there's, you're saying so much in your music, there's social commentary, there's political unrest, there's people who are struggling. And I wonder where, where's Clarence in all of that? Because it's, to me, it's, you paint these beautifully vivid stories and, and I appreciate that mystery, and I and I wonder where where are you in that, or are you completely separate of it? You're just a vessel for these stories that you're singing
1: about. Well, like a good example of that is like "Sun's Gonna Rise." I'm talking about uh, driving a car and going to the 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 hospital, and and my wife is pregnant and is having a, a son, and it was kind of like. That was the analogy I used. I didn't have a child. I didn't have. I wasn't. I didn't have a wife. But that was the analogy that I was using for kind of um, awakening and and discovery and all this kind of other stuff that can lead to that. But I used the analogy of that.
0: What type of environment for you yields the most creativity? Because it's for me as a comedian creating sometimes is arduous and exhausting and i can't imagine how difficult it can be for you so what environment do you find yourself being the most creative what do you need set up like do you need like you know a nice like room you can hot box you need some cheetos maybe a (laughs) hot plate of mac and cheese i'm projecting here but (laughs) what do you need to flow
1: all that stuff (laughs) 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 you gave me some good ideas cheetos (laughs) That might be the case
0: cheetos cheetos is the it's the cure
1: yeah, yeah um i I kind of like the woodshed. I think it's cool that like I used to go to go away to a i'd go to Jamaica or whatever and 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 kind of run on the beach and write songs during the morning and then the the, the afternoon and kind of at night and just not be around anybody. Um, I did that for a while. I think woodshedding is important, like early early on also, just spending a lot of time writing and developing, you know, as an artist. And I think sometimes you can't have a great place to be creative. So I was just in an efficiency apartment, just singing and writing all the time, and then got up to a, a, a bigger place and, and spent a lot of time doing that. And studios, I guess it's always cool to get a good vibe in a studio for creativity. You know, you kind of, I think a lot of times you feel something good or not. And sometimes there's the studios are not very good and the vibes not great, but it sounds great.
0: That's interesting. I never (laughs) considered it's such, we're, you know, like I said, we're both artistic, but to record a comedy album versus recording a musical album, it's the environment and the parameters and, and the setup is totally different. You know, there is a, a level of control when it comes to comedy albums as far as the lighting and the, and the camera. But I would imagine recording a studio album, the vibe has just got to be right. You've got to find.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's sometimes it's you, you have to have a great vibe, but yeah, definitely you have to have a great vibe, but I've had places that aren't, that don't seem like a great vibe turn out to be, you know, the great, the great stuff that I end up keeping. So it just, it, it it depends on the way the studio sounds. And I, I mean, with live shows with you guys, it's like you have the audience and that's like, that's, that's, Amazing to have that that chance to have that that audience and that interaction, and then it can be caught on the real real time vibe of that. And I I've always said like a great stand up comedian is, is 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 like the hardest thing to do, like to be that. Like to me, I would think that that's kind of like you know over over a great musician even.
0: That's funny because I would say the same thing about music, you know, yeah. uh, it, it's such a, you know, it, it's such a different art form, but I appreciate you saying that. You know, it, it, I always reference one of my friends, Laurie Kilmartin, a really funny comedian who in the middle of her set a hard bread roll got thrown at her face. And she had to recover from that and figure out
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: What to do from having a chunk of bread thrown at her face and she was gluten free and she was very triggered. Um, (laughs) What, you know, you, you, (laughs) what have you done during this whole quarantine? Have you been going fucking crazy? Like you're a touring maniac. You're on the road. So how have you as an artist, someone who enjoys that live performance, what have you done to survive or thrive during this?
1: Man, I I kind of r- realized I've been touring too much. That's <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me too.
1: <laughs> I, I was just like, okay, all right. This is it's that fragile, you know. It's Wow. Uh, but it's it's something that that I've been planning on slowing down for years and, and never did. So it was like almost kind of happened and was a great kind of 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 way to kind of reset and realize just other things creatively that I could do other things in, that I had clear up in business and all that other stuff. So it, 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 yeah, I it's like you it.
0: want to do things other <laughs> than music. I would imagine, you know, you're a creative person. You had cooking with cope for a hot minute, yeah. right? Are you yeah. still doing that?
1: Still doing cooling with Coke.
0: Cooling Coke. Yeah, that's so I didn't realize you were a foodie like that.
1: Well, cook yeah well, I realized going out on the road there's all these great places I go to, so I just we had some cameras and i we just we just made it like a bootleg TV show called the with Cope. It wasn't like uh but we just put it on youtube, so there there are issues out there, but we hit different places oyster bar, cool distillery' We're going I was really kind of do a lot of bigger thing on this when the tour got canceled and I plan on doing it when we do uh, in January to kind of expand that, that just going to really good places that I like in the past. And
0: yes, getting that quality it's, you know, it's one thing that I, I hope a lot of people have realized. And it sounds like you have shared in that sentiment, realizing the quality of life, yeah, the quality of time and energy and food and and people that you let into your being how how much that can affect the outcome of everything your relationships your overall health and health as wealth and your performance so i think that's an amazing gift that quarantine has given a lot of us if there if people have been open to that um (laughs) i also realized i could drink wine seven days a week and be okay I don't know if you have mm-hmm. tea in there, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say I it's whiskey.
1: Tea, but I, am well known for drinking wine, so. I've been <laughs> <a week. laughs> did you? Um,
0: you, know, you are a father. I wonder how. How does your life and and art evolve, becoming a father? Um,
1: I just, I think it was just, I mean, just emotion of love that Mm. you have that, that i was just really privy to and that you know blessed to have that kind of feeling of 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 love for somebody or just love somebody giving you that much love it's like yeah when somebody gives you that much love that is is kind of just in, you know, can't take care of themselves. It's, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. It's in, I also love that, um, you aren't one of these parents who blasts your child out on social media. I really respect that because so many people are like, look, you know, Trevor jr farted and it's like we we don't care
1: right, not
0: that right. you know it, we wouldn't care to see her, but I also think preserving their energy and being is is a is a valuable commodity that people are just not even thinking about in today's society with social media, yeah, so I appreciate that
1: she's too much competition because like if I put a picture of her up it's like Mm-mm. she gets she gets it's, all the bikes.
0: it's <laughs> she. you know i've seen pictures of her and one word i can describe her and i mean this in all love and kind it's jarring how beautiful of a being she is she is she's an avatar she's just the most beautiful thing and i Uh, i bet she has you wrapped around her finger
1: yep pretty much (laughs) i think that's
0: that's a beautiful thing um You know, she's
1: she's like a she's, you know, it's it's beautiful. She is on the outside. She's just like a really good person, too.
0: That's amazing, because my niece and nephew are fucking assholes. I have to be (laughs) honest. They're so cute. (laughs) I bring him a gift. He's like, where's the rest of it? I'm like, Elliot, I could bring him a whole house. And he'd be like, where's the pool? (laughs) It's a, it's a huge character flaw Clarence It's a huge character
1: flaw she she i feel bad because you know I always give people money on the street and stuff and I gave her some money when she was going to surf camp and and she, she ended up giving it to somebody like a a, a homeless guy and I was like <gasps> do you know and I kind of like you shouldn't have given him the whole thing <laughs> It was like twenty dollars. I was like, he gave him the whole like he took the whole thing and 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 uh and it was it was
0: you almost like, you. and then
1: I felt bad about it because I was like I shouldn't you know she just knows that well here she is. Oh my goodness. You wanna get on the, what are you doing? Hello. <laughs> She's in school. You're
0: about to feel bad about me telling
1: everybody <laughs> a live audience. All right.
0: after every waking moment you launched your own label and i'm wondering what did anything specific specifically inspire that move for you
1: well i think what really what's important when you sign with the record company is to have like a record man and that's like somebody who understands music and understands the business and kind of understands a vision of of kind of how to meet what you do artistically and, and, you know, evolve it. And, and, you know, there's been some really great record men in the, in the, in the business. And at this time, like I got transferred around to different roles of Sony and stuff. And I didn't feel like I had that record man mm. in, in to work with, you know? So it was just, and then I realized that the deals I was doing with the world were corporations and those companies could, could you know dissolve or you know be kind of transferred the, the the assets be transferred to another part of the industry or another company so i kind of wanted to have that ownership but i do miss that that real like connection with the real person that's done a lot of big records and then having the ability to call them up and be like hey what do you think of this you know i think that that was like really what what I was attracted to sign into majors in the first place, you know, because <laughs> there's a lot of people that help great artists make great records.
0: Absolutely. But I think what you've done with yourself and taking that leap away from like away from the industry, still in the industry, but making your own path is so much more difficult. It's such a risk. And so many people would artists would would rather be led through the industry. So I think it's really dope that you had the balls and the vision to do that for yourself. You know, in this industry, there's so much that we can do as artists to create for ourselves and and one of the first hurdles we have is us. You know, we're in our own way. So Completely. it's it's just really admirable to see that. It's inspiring, really. You know, it's I have a couple comedian friends who have pave their own way like Andrew Schultz and Tim Dillon who just industry didn't want them. They're like "All right, well and I'm not saying that's what the the deal is with you with music but in in that sense where the industry doesn't give you any love you got to give yourself love because you know what ends up happening ironically the industry comes back around like hey what's going on in there bro it's like a fun party (laughs) and it's like (laughs) we're good we got everything we need
1: Um, We were around since the beginning.
0: (laughs) We were around since the beginning. What are you talking about, bro? I was at your house and you didn't even notice me. So, (laughs) Um, you know, when I think of you and speaking of industry, one of my favorite things about you is that you aren't necessarily an industry darling. And I say that as a compliment because I look at the industry the music industry and entertainment industry um but the music industry specifically which i have a connection to because two of my uh cousins are in the music industry one works for atlantic and the other one started with def jam records years ago she was running coffee for the ceo when it was a one room office in bushwick so i know a lot about the music industry on that end from the hip-hop and rap side um right i, I I think radio is pure trash now and I wonder what your biggest gripe is with the music industry, both historically and currently. I wonder as an artist who's sort of been on both sides now because you have your own label, what, what was the worst part about it in the past and what is frustrating about it now?
1: Well, I think, I mean, First of all, I'd like to say the best part of it is that it, you know, brought us a lot of great music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I think the worst part about it has been the relationship between the artist and the industry. And um, that's been unfortunate because really kind of the secret is that the the artist kind of has his lane and the manager's. And the promoters and the record companies and the agents are kind of like, they're they're that's the industry, and the right. artist is kind of in there. And if if there is a lot of success with the artist, and he has a long term career and has been lucky enough to have it, but it's just very rare that like artist has one label or one manager in their whole career um or one agent so i think there's just been there's kind of a, a real there's there's something the synergy's not working the ecosystem's yeah. not working in that so that's kind of like something i deny or or just you know i do i do i'm kind of i think that's not not a great thing and i th- obviously ownership of people's copyrights and stuff like that and that was part of why I, I kind of stepped out of it. it was the ownership of copyrights for a long time and that's kind of that I had to do that to get exposure and everything and and I, I wasn't able to use get on the radio or get marketed and all that stuff so um, I didn't really have the purpose I really didn't use the A&R at that point um so the purpose was re- really kind of an advance, and I was right. enough money on the road.
0: It's another thing. It's like, you know, <laughs> I'm a huge '90s hip hop fan, you know, and I got to do a pilot. I shot a show with Chili from TLC, and I oh. lost my mind, lost my mind. But you know, when I think about the music industry, I think about. about artists like TLC one of my favorite growing up who got royally screwed by their label they were all broke none of them are making money so I understand that as a you know just a I guess the way the industry has been laid out historically is just it's not conducive for the artist to really thrive you know it it makes the artist almost like a not a prisoner but tethered to commercialism and tethered to a corporation.
1: Well, it's completely changed. You're right. And I think it's just the end game is now to be, to get Revlon or whatever, this kind of thing. Or yeah. Get, and it's like that. And I don't think there's a problem with doing campaigns with other brands, if that's what your dream was at some point. But I think the artistry is just not long hasn't been held on the long term standard of you know bob Marley right or, or you know the these kind of artists that have have been able to endure their their sound um and throughout time and I think we'll will continue so so there there's just that that level of of the fact that also that the founder got you know early on the founder was the person that ran the record company? So the right. founder, like Chris Blackwell, was the founder of Island Records, just like you know, uh, Steve Jobs was the founder of Apple, right? Or you know, he had an impact on how that company does. So right now, when a founder like Daniel Eck or or Steve Jobs goes to negotiate with Record company chairmans and presidents who aren't founders, um, they're just paid essentially employees. They're not going to win that battle, you know? Yeah. Just, it's just, it's too much. They're not going to win that negotiation. So a lot of those industries got built off of music. So it's like, it's just like that's another problem with it is just they haven't, they haven't realized how much potential they have. And, and yes, and yes. Facing after the one thing. It's like, let's get a hit now. But their catalog is immense. There's no reason why, you know, Gladys Knight and 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 people like, you know, Patti LaBelle and and, you know, Anita Baker and Willie Nelson and these type of people don't have still have big record deals.
0: Yes. So
1: they should definitely have if not, you know, because there's they've had millions of dollars invested in their career over the years so it's it's not like you're going to lose any money putting out one of those artists music
0: it does seem kind of like something's missing you know for me i always have the conversation of having people on my team who mean well agents and they're like telling me what i should do and how i should do it and i'm like oh cool so how how long have you been doing stand up Oh, you, you haven't done it before. All right. So why don't we find some way to communicate where, where I can handle the art side and you guys can sort of handle pushing the career along. It's interesting how between comedy and music, there are those parallels, those sort of holes in the overall industry and how the process works where it almost feels like it, can, it can't work because there's people who are the gatekeepers telling an individual how to do a job they've never done. So it's it's interesting now in today's society, seeing artists be able to take their career in their hands. And do you believe with what's going on today with the industry, music industry and entertainment industry, do you think that it's different now because of social media that people should be able to thrive more as artists? Do you think that... the the road is paved a little bit easier today compared to how it was yesterday where you were dependent on a label.
1: I mean, I think you're still dependent on a label. I I think you need the exposure of a major corporation, you know, Mm. because they, they're the gatekeepers of radio. They're the gatekeepers of, of television. Uh, still have a lot of connections in advertising licenses and all this kind of other stuff. So I think they have the potential to, once you get it to a point, take it to a, a bigger place. And And so, you know, with that, you have that but you still have the ability to kind of like build a buzz and there's just more people and the fact is it's like it's always about the first hundred people in the room. And before it's the first hundred people in the room, it's the first twenty people in the room. You know, mm. you gotta it that like that's always the most important thing and and trying to creatively build that if you can. Yeah. And, and have people that understand if you send them something you like musically or, I, I, you know, I'm sure you, you, with your, with your material, it's like you kind of trust if somebody likes it, if you like it, if you, if there's somebody that you, you kind of trust, if right. you're on the right path or something like that. Um, I, th- I think that's, that's important.
0: It is really important to sort of have somebody that can have a, bird's eye view of what you're doing and know what you've done. And if it's good enough to put out, you know, I, I have an assistant I've worked with for a couple years now. She's watching and she's in our studio and, um, she was a fan before we started working together. And to me, that was so important to trust somebody yeah like to you know trust somebody who actually loves what i do and knows what i've done from day one to have them step in when i need them to you know um it's it's definitely a a sort of trust thing where you're creatively doing things and putting things out but sometimes you just need a fucking break sometimes you just need like somebody else to go yeah this is good this is bad you need to like maybe veer over here and get away from the dick jokes and go towards something more <laughs> cerebral. <laughs> um, I thought of a question for you because touring is coming back and I'm hoping I can see you cause you're going, can I say where you're going to be? Cause this is coming out the week you will, you will be there already. Oh yeah. So you're going to be in New York at city winery, which is yeah. a great venue And I'm hoping I can come see you. I'm trying to make that work logistically. What is when you travel now, we're starting to go back on the road, which fucking thank God. I know you said you're going to travel less, but let's be real. God bless. What is one of the first things you do when you get into a town, you're traveling? What's like the first thing you do? Do you have a ritual?
1: When I... Well, it depends. It depends what city. I mean, it's usually I'm just on a bus and I'm just pulling up, you know, I guess get coffee and, and do my thing.
0: What about like someplace like Nashville, like, Tennessee, or someplace in the South where, you know, the food is going yeah, to be, so- like, I just want to know what you eat.
1: <laughs> like in New York, I'll go to, I'll go to Bar PD for, 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 for lunch. Uh, there's they got really good pasta that's over on Sixth Street. Another cove spot is uh is is on Cornelia and it's it's Pearl Oyster Bar and they have like oh, the best I they got know the it. best uh fish sandwich there. Oh my God. and they only serve it till two thirty and if you get there at two thirty they won't serve it for you. So they got this halibut sandwich. They've been using skate recently, but that's good. Obviously, Joe's Pizza's right in that area. There's,
0: I mean, you know, oh, the food in New York is just—it is—it's—it's it's the greatest in the world because you can get it at all hours of the night. Yeah, it's truly magical. Um, I was doing some research about your new album and um, the pull of Niagara Falls, which I listened to and I love it. I love it for so many reasons one of which i think a lot of the songs actually were written in the 90s some of yeah, them that you used
1: late 90s yeah it was before my first record came out and it was supposed to be for my first record that that capital records didn't put out and i got dropped and they they kept they didn't let me record the record so i went and recorded a whole new record for the DreamWorks record when I got time with them and uh, Universal. And so put out that and, uh, you know, never, never always knew those songs were great. And then came back and was like, let me just play them on guitar like I wrote them. And so I did four songs or five songs like that, three songs, new songs, three new songs and a cover of a Randy Newman song.
0: in shotgun it stuck with me yeah tell me about that tell me about uh, give us well, a little insight on on the shotgun is, the whole
1: the whole song was kind of the first record was going to be called shotguns and it's now it's named after it kind of dealt with the shotgun as the theme of america is like a theme of fear and it kind of had such a parallel to so many things, which was like mass incarceration and all these things that I was seeing, uh, kind of revolved around fear. and Obviously, racism and and these other things that that kind of really set a pulse as as a you know at the time a, a songwriter, you know, kind of building my songwriting the way 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 it would kind of come out and you know used some uncelebrated characters one of the songs is about broken family and you know kind of like a father telling his son why he couldn't be in his life and um there's you know pretty much kind of like a song that i used to heal myself
0: yeah um,
1: which is kind of my story but I didn't. It. I, I. I sang in the perspective of 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 my father. So it was kind of like a healing moment to be able to get to that point. And then shotguns was dealing with kind of like the prison system and how it affected how these mass incarceration was happening, and you know, the how it affected the city and also the rural places where these places were being built. You know, it's it's kind of a Place where that was their income was these right,
0: friends.
1: so it's like,
0: <laughs> which it's, is so fucked up,
1: yeah. So it just and 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 so I kind of touched on that, and it touched on like accidental homicide, and so not really happy themes, dark, <laughs> but, um, you know. But somebody even called me, is like, What's wrong with you, man? Are you <laughs> all right. And I'm like, man, I'm good, man. This is just an old record, but this is like, <laughs> I was in this space right here, and that's honest. The record kind of took it, and but it it it's not celebrated, it's not victorious, but it's it's enduring and it's persevering, and I think that's what life is about. You know, it's about taking losses sometimes, but also. The, the the thrill of victory and, and and perseverance is is not always a path that that it, that it, it's a it's a path it's not an end game
0: yeah and i think it's this album um resonates and will resonate with the year we've had yeah this this year talk about enduring i mean every individual has gone through some form of loss and and needing to find a beacon and a lighthouse. So I, the, the album, as I was listening to it, I was thinking also about the year everyone has had and the year that I have had and, and you, and it ends up, you know, it's, it's like this, the, the trajectory of it is so aligned with, life in general but also the year we have so it it was just interesting when i when i read that some of the songs were from the 90s how they how it you made it all you made it all evolve and work and fresh and also a throwback but kept it all to be this sort of beautiful story of a year we've all kind of had in one way or another so i really enjoyed it i thought it was amazing
1: It's kind of like the pull of Niagara Falls. It has the, uh, you know, it's like we have the the pull to live, and also the gravitational pull to fall, and so it's 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 something we as artists kind of go in, cut a fine line, you know, between. You talked about self sabotage earlier. Mm -hmm.
0: It is. I mean, the ebb and flow of an artistic career. I'm sure you've seen a lot of your friends not come out of the ebbs yep. and you've seen a lot of your friends get too cocky in the flow. And it's about sort of realizing that both those things have to exist for the other to exist. And on the other side is some sort of personal salvation that you can share with the world and be of service to people. Um, speaking of being of service to people, I have some questions from fans. Okay. Would you like to answer a couple? Sure. I'm going to pick some of my favorites. Um, Kiki loves Kiki loves fox. It's interesting. Hopefully that's not an actual animal that she loves. Okay. Dream artist collaboration.
1: Oh. Sade, I guess. Ooh! Ooh!
0: I wasn't ready for that answer. Clarence. Oh, where is she? Why is she hiding? Get her out, of, out of hiding. Here.
1: Out of reach, out of touch. Oh
0: God, she can we? I can't. I mean, forget it. <laughs>
1: that that fortress is so deep.
0: Ooh. <laughs>
1: that fortress is so deep around that angel. That that's.
0: Not- I mean, these kids <laughs> don't know. These kids don't know Sade Best answer I feel like I don't even want to ask any more questions But I'm going to Because I promised a bunch of these people I would ask Um, 516 Lemmy Girl Is a huge fan of yours She personally messaged me to make sure that I saw her question She says Your fan base in Australia Is insane All caps Really? She says your fan base there is strong and thick
1: I don't believe her
0: and she says, "Do you know why Aussies love him so hard?" Why? She wants to know because you're magic. <laughs> that's what she that's she fit that all in a really small box. I thought it was impressive.
1: That's beautiful. <laughs> I can't. Wait. We're trying to get work out Australia, and kind of one of the problems was it never got properly released over there when I was putting records out. Ah, so it didn't. It didn't kind of, you know catch on but it, what i'm finding out about the music is it's just catching on everywhere like brazil is doing stuff right now and it's like there's like places that never heard it because it wasn't released there and now are catching on through through like word of mouth
0: well i asked you this question but this guy is a huge fan and a really amazing swordsmith. he made me a
1: a very custom, beautiful
0: coven sword that I don't know what I'm going to do with. I feel like I'm going to get arrested, but uh, I'll probably go to Trader Joe's with it and just put all my produce on it. He says, "Who inspires you other than a musician and why?"
1: Henri Cartier-Bresson uh, was a great photographer. Um, I really enjoy his work. Uh, That's crazy
0: because I studied him in school.
1: Yeah, I love him.
0: the The French photographer who takes like one take of his photos
1: yeah he's he's pretty amazing um some great interviews with him over the years i I really like his stuff um
0: that's wild as
1: far as, far as just i mean inspiration kind of comes from you know, it's philosophy um music art life
0: <laughs> yeah just living <laughs> let me tell you Food is I want the greatest to go all inspiration. The good places
1: in the world and eat. When you go there. to
0: New York, I will message your assistant so you remember this. But maybe you've okay. eaten there. Have you gone to Veselka?
1: Where is that,
0: <gasps> homie? Listen, when I tell you, you have to go to Veselka. It's it used to be open before quarantine, twenty four hours a day. It is a, um, it's a. Diner, but it's it's um, Yugoslavian. Oh God, uh, the country! Right. It's 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 a Eastern European country, and it's probably not Yugoslavian. And they're probably swearing at me right now. Um, Debbie, I can see Debbie Debbie googling it right it? now. Is Ukrainian. It, it's it, on it? ninth and first. Oh wow! It is, and I'm telling this because I've said it before on the podcast. If you're in New York and you don't go to Veselka, you've wasted. You've wasted really good food time. So
1: right. go there, there, get
0: good some sausage and pancakes. It's delicious. Um, okay. This is a good question. Lenisi, Lenisi is my name. Sorry if I butchered that. Can you see the story of your songs when you're writing them?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like Pablo Picasso and Songs Gonna Rise and, and that kind of stuff. Like Brotherly kind of <sighs> has a real visual kind of thing and and um
0: brother lee seems like a tough song to play if you're an iota drunk (laughs) that song is like
1: that's just the energy gets up there at that point
0: (laughs) that song is so dope that's one of my favorite songs it's a fun live song to listen to (laughs) it's
1: a real fun live song
0: (laughs) um speaking of live janesha wallace your most uncomfortable live performance P.S. I'm always front row of your NC concerts. So whenever oh. you're in North Carolina, this, this individual is there.
1: All right. Well, thank you for being out there. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Uh, the most uncomfortable concert.
0: Was it when um, I spit on brew? <laughs> I,
1: spent a, I spent a lot of uh, open mics getting, uh, you know, talked over. When I started coming out, I used to do a lot of shows where a lot of people chatted. So it was kind of like those kind of aren't the most comfortable shows. Um, Cause you feel for the other people That's the worst paid they're paid. And then there's people chatting and like 10 or 20 people can chat and can mess up a vibe.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said before, your live audiences are just, it's the most, I think one of my favorite reasons besides your music and, you know the fact that I have like a connection with you is that your your fans are so amazing. Like it's literally the most relaxing, safe. It feels safe as a woman. That's a huge thing. You know we oh, don't. Cool. I know I'm not gonna have some strange man's finger in uh in a place I don't want it at your right. show. So thank you for that.
1: <laughs> Especially not your drink.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to ask you one of my favorite questions.
1: All right, I'm ready.
0: Dan2425 says, Are you still between a bullet and a target? (laughs) So stupid. Dan. Is that so stupid? Fucking Dan. Dan. You know, I did it for you. I always
1: put myself in between a bullet and a target somehow, but uh, I. uh... I wrote the song to remind myself to stay out of those situations. So I'm trying to steer clear of being put between a bullet and a target.
0: That's interesting because a lot of the jokes I write are to remind me to not date assholes. So there's a parallel there. (laughs) There's a lot of preaching going on in my comedy, and a lot of it, most of it is me preaching to myself. So we're similar in this
1: sense. Is it hard to date in Los Angeles?
0: Dating in Los Angeles, it's impossible. It is absolutely, it, it's a dinosaur. It used to be there, but now it's not because a meteor hit the whole place and everyone's dead. Everyone's dead and on their phones and worried about what they look like on social media. Right. I'm fine with the fact that I may die alone worm of llama, like a whole bunch of llama. <laughs> I think... That might be where I'm headed, and I'm totally cool with it. You know,
1: for lightning strikes.
0: Last question, because for some reason it's buffering so much more. And my Rudy, I love you so much. I'm so sorry for all the editing you have to do. Um, Ruby Foster wants to know, and I want to know, and everybody else in the state, when are you coming to California?
1: Well, uh, 2022 um, Planet Theater show in LA, and then. I feel more in San Francisco. I'm not sure where in San Diego. Uh,
0: so it's happening. We're starting to get back on the road. People yeah, can rest assured they'll see you. I guess the last question I want to ask you before I let you go to finish your tea and to play your guitar and do your wind down for the evening is what advice if the Wi Fi fucking will? Just be chill for a minute. What advice can you give to any artist in this current climate? What what advice can you give to them starting out, or a way to thrive if they're unrepresented?
1: I just think listen to and follow your first instinct, and then like take action on on, on stuff, and and don't don't. Don't be denied by no, you hear a lot of no's. So it's just like basically that's part of your path that makes you makes you stronger. Something brought you to it. So so jump in. That's
0: it. it's beautiful. I mean, you just gotta jump in and trust yourself if you're a performer. Yeah. You just gotta keep going.
1: You you gotta do it. That's, <laughs> just, that's the calling that happened. You know, it's the business we chose, that's what they say.
0: It is. And one thing I'm so grateful for is that you evolve and you take chances with your music and um, you're honestly, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass. You are one of my favorite artists and your music has created such a space of healing for me in so many different areas of my life and times in my life. So I want to thank you as a fan for staying true to you in writing from your soul and creating these stories and narratives that have touched my soul. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. And I look forward to spitting on all of your
1: all right. bandmates I'm soon. Next. I'm next. <laughs> hey, Tell what, my, <laughs> yeah. What were you saying about that? You said something about that. I was in, in the industry. I was, uh, I was something.
0: Industry darling.
1: No, I wasn't an industry darling.
0: Yeah. And I like, that's my favorite part about you though. Fuck the industry. (laughs) I feel the same way. You're, you're, you're a rebel in all the right ways. You know, you're, it's just, I, I feel like the types of albums you've put out, your discography and the evolution of your music, it's so creative and individual and the stories you're telling are important. Yeah. The things you're singing about are important. And to put a dope groove to social injustice is <laughs> who's doing that.
1: Well, it's,
0: we got people out here like, wow, wow, wop wop. Wait, I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's fun. There's a place for that, but your, your music is important. And I'm, yeah, I'm just,
1: what I was inspired by, you know, I was inspired by things like that. So that's, that's where I'm sitting. That's, it's um it's a beautiful place to be, you know, everybody has their energy and does what they want to do artistically, so I can't oh never you know I know how hard it is t- to make a big record and t- to actually get on the charts cuz I never got on the charts, so I know how hard it is so I got to take my hat off whoever has done that
0: even if they're singing about a wet ass pussy and that's why you are a noble man. And I will be the one to talk shit about it on stage. I will do. You can live. vicariously you can talk through about me. Not- <laughs> oh my God. Clarence. I love you so much. I appreciate you taking time out to talk with me. I've been looking forward to this and I look forward to seeing you live. Tell my, tell my fans and your fans where they can find you. Your new album is out. Um, a poll from Niagara Falls where can they find you where can they listen to you
1: uh they can see me at citizencope.com and on instagram citizencope twitter citizencope clubhouse citizencope clubhouse yeah i've been rocking the clubhouse but mostly i have a i have a cell phone number too it's all in the bio and everything so i'll be touring Best way is just to get on the email list, really, because then you'll really find out uh, what I'm doing. Because otherwise, it's, it's hard to, you know get it all out through Instagram and Twitter, you know, they, they don't let you reach everybody. So.
0: It sure yeah. is. Well, you guys get on the email list. I'll have all the details in the show notes and I appreciate you so much. I can't wait to see you. Thank you so, so much. And I will bring spit guards for everybody the next time all right. I come well, out I hope live.
1: To see you in New York. I hope to see you in New York. We'll, we'll catch, we'll catch some, 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 vegetarian wonton in China
0: yes I would love some veggie wontons absolutely right. <laughs> well thank you so much I will talk right. to you soon thank you
1: great to see you bye thank you so much for having me
0: absolutely all right. bye brother bye bye I can't wait for that Sade collab that's all I'm saying
1: yeah you know in heaven
0: Oh, I gotta call somebody who knows Sade
1: <laughs> that's gonna take Gabriel to hook that one up Love you, brother. All right. Love you, too. Bye. (laughs) Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the
0: free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.